And I'm excited about this series. This series we're going to do all the way up until Christmas break. So this is going to take us all the way through December. Um, and so we're going to have a lot of different nights talking through what does this mean? Are we literally going to talk about the game of hide and seek every night? Because that sounds boring. Um, we won't be doing that, actually. It's just an analogy for what we're going to be talking about. Uh, but I did want to talk about hide and seek a little bit tonight. The game, like the literal game that we grow up playing. So show of hands, how many of you grew up playing hide and seek in some form or fashion? You played hide and seek. Okay. Yeah? Nice. Hands down. I think all of us have played the game, or at least seen it played, through the course of our life. My boys, the ages they are now, they like to play hide and seek. It's a fun game we play around the Chandler house a lot. Because it's pretty easy, you know. There's a person who's it, the seeker, right? And then there's either one person or multiple people who are the hiders, And they have to go hide, and there's different variations on the rules, but ultimately you go find a hiding spot, and you're waiting for the seeker to either go by you or or find you and tag you. And then, depending on the way you play, you might run to the base, or you just hide forever (laughs) until no one finds you, and you sleep in your hiding spot. Um, However it is you play. Now, we used to play massive games of this in my neighborhood. When I was growing up, when I was specifically in middle school. So we had a neighborhood that wasn't like huge. It, w- it was like two streets, but it was a neighborhood, so it wasn't like on a main road. So it was safe for us to play in, in the neighborhood. So it wasn't like we were able to play in the entire neighborhood, but we would play for, I don't know how many houses down. It was like here was the, the boundaries were this house to this house, and only the front yard or the backyard Um, you can't go past that tree or that fence, you know, like we would set a pretty big boundary and then we would play at night so it was harder to see and we would have it be, there would be like a time limit on the round so if the seeker couldn't find everyone or couldn't find anyone at a certain time, we would just call that round and it'd be done and then the seeker would have to go again if they didn't find anybody or if they found somebody, then that person would be it. And so we had fun with that, man. We would, we would run all over the place. So like when somebody got found, they didn't have to just, the way we played, they didn't have to stay in their hiding spot and just let the person tag them. Like, oh, I found you, like, done. No, it was like you had to tag them, and the person who was hiding could run. And so we would be running all over the place at night, playing hide-and-seek. It was a ton of fun. But the things that are funny about hide-and-seek are one of the things I mentioned when I was hiding, that... You could have literally had nothing to drink all day and gone to the bathroom like the minute before you started playing and as soon as you hide, what do you have to do? Immediately. It's so annoying. And so you're literally hiding doing this like... I know, I know that when I was in middle school playing this game, that I, I definitely like, had to go behind some bushes and trees like, to go take care of some business, um, because I couldn't, I couldn't handle it, man. I was so, I'd get so anxious and nervous about the game, like not wanting to get found, especially when the seeker gets close, you know, when the person who's it gets close. You're just like, and then sometimes, you know, like when you're not supposed to laugh, and you just want to laugh. You know, something that's not even that funny, like somebody says something or does something and it's a moment where you shouldn't laugh and it makes it that much more funny. And you're just like, "Mm." 
and you feel like your eyeballs are going to pop out because you're holding in this laugh. That's like hide and seek, because when the, hide, the, the seeker gets close to you and you're the hider, you're just like everything in you wants to do the thing you're not supposed to do. You know, you want to be like, there I am! And you got to be like, no, that's not the game! The game is not hide and then pop out and say, here I am! They have to seek you. And so, it's just funny how, how hide and seek can play out like that. And then you have, you have the people who, when they're the, the person hiding with you, like you're hiding, they're hiding, how they'll follow you if you're a pretty good hider. Have you noticed that? I used to get so annoyed at my little brother because he would follow me because I was older and I would pick like really good spots and places he couldn't necessarily get to or think of. And so I'd get into this place and sure enough, I'd see, I'd see my brother just... Hey Brad, what are you doing? I'm hiding! Hide! He's like, I think they're about to come. Can, can I hide with you? And I'd be like, no! This is my spot, bro! I've hidden here for five rounds in a row and they have no idea where it is. It's the perfect hiding spot. He'd be like, yeah. I know, can I hide there too? My brother still talks like this, by the way. And I'm like, no, dude, you have to find your own spot. Go over there somewhere. And then I start to hear the foot, the foot, the, the foot, <laughs> the foots. <laughs> I start to hear the feet coming like they'd be crunching in the grass. And you'd hear them coming. And I'm like, Jason, you have to go. Like, go. Get out of here. <laughs> uh, okay, I'm going to hide right here. <laughs> it's like right under me. I'm like, dude, if they find you, they're going to find me. You're going to give me away. No, it's okay. I'll hide really well. And he'd give me away, and the, the seeker would find us both, and then we would either both be it, depending on how we were playing that night, or I would be it, or he would be it, and it would mess up my whole hiding spot, and I wouldn't be able to use it again. And so there's those people who, like, copy your hiding spot, or try to hide with you in the hiding spot, or hide close enough to you where it gives away your hiding spot, and that's super annoying. And so um, there's all these, like, different things that go on in hide-and-seek and happen in hide-and-seek that are a ton of fun and why the game has lasted so long and continues to be played, even to this day, by little kids everywhere all across the world. And so the question is, where did this game come from, man? I have an answer. It's in the Bible. Yeah. And that, my friends, is what we call a transition. Okay, so now we're going to go into Genesis chapter 3, okay? Now tonight, we're going to sit in Genesis chapter 3 because we see the very first game of hide-and-seek happening between the very first people that were ever made and God. So this is literally an ancient tradition. Whenever you've played hide-and-seek, just know we are participating in history, friends. This has been going on since the dawn of man. Hiding and seeking. And so what's really cool about this is who the, the hider and who the seeker is. We're going to talk about who those people are. We're going to talk about what happens in the hiding and the seeking. And we're going to talk about how this fits into what we're going to talk about for the rest of this series for the next several weeks. So in this story, let me set up the, the characters that are at play right now, okay, that we're going to talk about tonight. We have got a guy. His name is very creative. It is Adam. Very long name, hard to pronounce. 
Um, Adam, yes. He's the first man ever created. He was created out of anyone, anyone, anyone. Dirt, dust, yes. The ground. He was made out of this stuff. God formed him. There he is. So he just formed Adam out of dirt. He breathed life into him, and he became a man. The first person ever created. Now, it was not good for Adam to be alone, the Bible says. Um, He had a job to do. He wasn't able to do it very well by himself. So God's like, man, we need a helper for this guy. A partner, somebody who can come alongside him and co-do this thing that I've put him on the earth to do. Um, And all these other animals just aren't going to, they're not going to cut it. They're not good enough to do this. I mean, a chihuahua is just not going to work, you know? A chihuahua is not going to be a good helper for this guy to do all the things that I've got him to do. Alligator might eat him. Like, that wouldn't work out well. So what about this? Let's make a woman. And instead of making a woman out of the dust of the ground, he puts Adam to sleep, and then we see the very first surgery uh, ever in, in the history of every, everything, um, where he puts him to sleep, anesthesia, God invented that, um, puts him to sleep, and then takes out his rib and makes woman out of his rib. And her name is a very long name, hard to say as well, Eve. Okay, so we have Adam, very first man, and we have Eve, very first woman. Now, they're married, they're taking care of the earth, they're taking care of everything God's made. This is their job. And their job was given to them by the main other character of this story, the main main character, you might say, And it is also a hard name to say. It's very long. God. Okay, so we have Adam, we have Eve, and we have God. Got it so far? Oh my goodness. Those that said no, I will be praying for you. Okay, so we're going to go ahead and jump into the story now. We know the characters. We know Adam. We know Eve. We know God. Now we're going to talk about the very first game of hide and seek. Okay, now... You need to know one thing before I read these verses in chapter 3. God had one rule when he put Adam and Eve in the garden to take care of everything he made that was good. It was only one rule. So he just made everything on the planet and the first people. And there's like all kinds of opportunities to do things, right? Like literally the entire planet is theirs to take care of. And there's only one rule of all the things to do, one thing don't do, don't eat from this one particular tree. The tree of knowledge of good and evil. That's the only thing you're not allowed to eat from. Everything else, have fun, man. Enjoy everything that I've made. Now, I don't know about you, but I have way more than one rule in my life. Would you agree with that? Do you have more than one rule in your life? I'm going to go ahead and say this for you. You have more than one rule in your life, okay? Even just in this one room right now, tonight, you have more than one rule, okay? So for Adam and Eve to only have one rule, one thing they can't do, it it makes this story even sadder because, spoiler alert, they do the one thing they're not supposed to do, okay? It's kind of like when you're told the kind of the one major thing not to do. What's the one thing you want to do? Yeah, you want to do the thing you're not supposed to do, right? It's like, hey, go play outside, right, guys? Y'all go play outside. That's fine. That's cool. That's awesome. Have fun outside. And then your mom and dad are like, just one thing. Just don't cross the street. 
What's the one thing you're just dying to do and look for a reason to do? Yeah, cross the street. That's the thing you're looking for any excuse to do is cross the street. So this is kind of what's happening to our friends Adam and Eve. They've been given one little guideline, one little rule, and it's to not eat from this one tree. And like you and me, the one thing they're not wanting or allowed to do is the one thing they really want to do. So here's where we're going to pick up the story is they've been given this rule. They're in, in Eden. They've been given this garden, given this creation to take care of, okay? Let's start reading. It says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say? And he probably had a lisp, you know? Because he's a snake. Okay, anyway. Um, Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat. Fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized that they were naked. So so they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Now we're going to pause right there, okay? Now we just had a new character introduced into the story. It's a snake, right? Now we find out later in the big story of the Bible, that the snake is Satan. It's the devil, right, trying to tempt them to not do what God said. This is a theme that he likes to do throughout the story of the Bible and even today. He likes to distract us from what God has asked us to do, and and he tries to get us to do the opposite of that. And this is what he does with Adam and Eve. Specifically, he's having a conversation with Eve. He's like, no, 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 what God said, no, 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 that can't be how it really is. Surely this is okay to eat. Like, it's fine. And she kind of thinks about it and like, is like, well, you just can't, yeah. You know how you look for any excuse to do the one thing you're not supposed to do? What did, what did Eve just find? She found her excuse, right? There's this smart snake saying all these things. Which, you know, now we would look at her and be like, dude, it's a snake talking. You can't trust a snake that talks. She didn't know that yet. You know, she's the first woman. She didn't know. It's okay. We forgive her for it. But, um, but she believes that she finds an excuse to do what God said not to do. She does it. And then Adam does it. And then immediately when that happens, they do the thing they're not supposed to do. They realize that they don't have any clothes on. And they put on some leaves. So if you've ever seen pictures of Adam and Eve, like drawings of them, they always have what on? Leaves. Now you know why, if you never knew why. It's, it's they just realized that they did something wrong, and now they're already trying to hide. They're already trying to set up getting in a hiding spot. Okay, so here's what I want to ask you, and I don't want you to answer out loud. I just want you to think about this question. Because this is the very beginning of the hide-and-seek match, Right? At the very beginning of a hide-and-seek match, you, if you're the hider, are thinking, where am I going to hide? Where's a good spot? And you have to think quick. 
because the person's counting, right? One, two, three, four. And when they get to the number you guys agreed on, you've got to be in your spot. So you're thinking, where am I going to hide? So you're automatically in mode of, I need to hide from this person. Adam and Eve have just initiated that I need to find my spot to hide now. The beginning of the match has started. The countdown just began. As soon as they made this decision to not listen to God and listen to this snake and do something he asked them not to do. And so what they did is what we do. As soon as they did something wrong, they immediately started to try to cover up. Now, be honest, and don't say it out loud, but when you do something wrong, do you try to cover it up? Okay, you didn't hear me when I said, don't answer out loud, but that's okay. You can do it better next time. Um, All of us, to some degree, try to cover it up. Maybe we try to literally cover it up. I've told this story before in here. I'll tell it really quickly. When I was in elementary school, we had apples that represented behavior. It was colored. It was fun. It was yay until you did something wrong in class. Then the hole puncher came out. It represented a worm eating your apple, and it also represented your bad decisions and bad behavior. So one week, I had a particularly bad week that the, the worm got hungry and ate a lot of my apple. I had a lot of holes in my apple, and I immediately tried to cover up the holes with tape and red crayon, thinking my parents were idiots, and they would never notice the fact that this is the clear tape with, like, it wasn't even masking tape that you can kind of color on. It was like the clear tape, and I tried to color on it with red crayon, because I'm a genius, and, and so I tried to cover it up when I did something wrong, and I've noticed that I keep doing that, even now. I'll, st- I'll still try to cover things up sometimes. D- not kidding you, this week, April, my wife, had asked me to do something, and I kind of forgot, like I did forget, and I heard footsteps on upstairs, and she was about to come down, I'm like, oh no, <laughs> I forgot. I didn't do the thing she said to do. And I immediately got up and tried to cover up the fact that I didn't do the thing and tried to do the thing really fast. Like, we still do stuff like this. And so covering up when we do something wrong is part of, of like, an instinct in us to hide when we've done something wrong. When we do something wrong against somebody we love, when we do something against something that we agreed to, when we do something wrong, we tend to hide. And that is what Adam and Eve have started to do. Now, let's keep reading. Verse 8, Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. So again, the game is on. God's done counting. He's walking through the garden. They hear the footsteps. They literally like jump behind a bush or something to hide. They're hiding from God. Now, okay, now again, we can look back. And, and we can judge Eve for listening to a talking snake. Um, but now we can look back and judge both of them for hiding from God. Because I think they're forgetting a small thing. And that is that um, God knows everything. I mean, it, how do you hide from God? You don't. You know what that's like? That's like you being an ant in an ant farm trying to hide from the kid who owns you. 
Think about that for a second. He always sees you. You, you can't hide from God. He made the place. He knows that, that bush is there because he made it. He literally is everywhere. He's bigger than anything you could possibly imagine. The dude literally has eyes everywhere. And so you can't hide from God. But they're trying because what do we do when we do something wrong? We hide. We try to cover up. And so the hiders are hiding. The seeker is seeking. So we're right in the middle of the game. Verse 9, But the Lord God called to the man, Where are you? The man answered, he said, I I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. Again, this is also funny. He hid because he's naked and he's embarrassed in front of God. Who made him? Just saying. Have you ever heard your parents say, I might be going too far, so I will stop. (laughs) I like, okay, I'll say it. It's It's not inappropriate. Um, have you ever heard your parents say, like, if you're, if you're changing at the house or something, and, and they knock, and you're like, wait, I'm changing, and your parents are like, it's nothing I've never seen before. I used to change your diapers. <laughs> like, they've been around you since you were a little kid. God has been around you since you were, like, not even thought of. Like, he made you. He knows you. So it's hilarious that he's hiding from God because he's embarrassed because God actually made him. So it really doesn't make sense. But then in verse 11, it says, and he said, this is God saying this to Adam. He says, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? So God is looking for his kids, right? He's usually walking through the garden and Usually they're there, and they hang out, and they talk, and he's walking through this particular time, and they're gone. They're hidden. This is abnormal. This is not normal. They usually don't play hide-and-seek. This is the first game this has ever happened, so he's, he's like, wait a second. This is off. And so he's like, hey, where are you guys at? But he's looking for them even though he knows where they are because he knows everything. He knows where his kids are. But he asks anyway, hey, where are you guys? Now, he's not really asking just where they are, because he also asks another question. He says, who told you you were naked? How do you, how, why are you even saying things like that? Like, this is, this is nothing that we've, we've talked about before. Like, you're acting different than you ever have before, and you're hiding. You've never done this before. So ultimately, what is he really asking Adam? What did you do? Have you ever had a parent or a teacher ask you, what did you do? Because they know you did something, and you know you did something, and they just want to hear you say what you did. Y'all ever been in that scenario? This is the scenario Adam and Eve find themselves in. Now, I don't know how you react in that scenario, right? Where you know you've been caught, but it hasn't technically been said out loud what's happened that you did wrong and mom and dad are just waiting to hear you say it out loud teachers just waiting for you to say it out loud principals just waiting for you to say it out loud even though they already know what you did so adam and eve find themselves in that position and and you maybe tell a lie when you're in that position maybe you make up a story to put the blame on someone else in that position 
Maybe you try to make it to sound where it's not as bad as it really is when you're in that position. Like, I kind of, you know, stole the car. But I didn't mean to. I was sleepwalking. You know what I mean? Like, you start to say things that are true but also not true to make it sound less bad. And ultimately, all that stuff never works. So just... I wouldn't try it because uh, it's only going to backfire on you. But Adam and Eve are faced with this same decision, right? What do I do? God's caught me in doing something wrong. What do we say? What do we do? And this is their response, okay? And I love this because this is us, man. This is what we do. Verse 12. The man said, the woman, the woman that you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate it. What did he do immediately? Blame someone else. Immediately pointed the finger at his wife. Immediately, ble- immediately blamed the girl. And like always, he's right. I'm just kidding. <laughs> That's not true. Um, verse 13. Then the Lord God, so he, he hears this from Adam, and then God turns his attention to Eve. And this is Eve's response. After God says, what is it that you have done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me, and I ate it. So Adam points to Eve. Eve points to the serpent. Everyone's pointing to someone else. And Adam's was really bad because Adam not only kind of blamed Eve, but he also kind of blamed God. Did you hear that in the the response? He said, the woman that you put here with me. Adam's getting bold. He's throwing some things out at God that I don't think he's realizing who he's talking to. Um, But immediately they're trying to deflect blame, right? They're trying to avoid the truth. They're trying to avoid what really happened. They're trying to avoid the actual thing that went down and the thing that they did wrong. So immediately they deflect. Immediately that's ultimately a form of covering up and hiding, right? So they are deep into this hiding spot, man. They are trying to stay so hidden from the thing that they did and trying to stay away from blame for what they did. Trying to stay away from the guilt that comes along with that. Trying to stay away from ultimately the truth of all of it. But what can be scary is realizing that there's no hiding from the truth. There's no hiding from God in this, right? Now you might be able to hide from mom and dad for a little while. You might be able to take them off the trail You might be able to hide from your teacher for a little while and get them to think something else happened. You might be able to to hide from all kinds of different scenarios in, in your life at some point for a little while. But when it comes to God, you can never hide from that. You can never hide from Him. And it's kind of a scary thought because it doesn't work to hide from God. It never works. And if you are really honest with yourself... We really don't want it to work. We don't really want to hide from God, really. Like, we really do want to make things right again, and we want to to know God. God made us for that. And we want Him to find us, and we want to be His, and we want to know the truth. In spite of it all, what's amazing is He still accepts us, and He still loves us. You keep reading in Genesis in this same story. And and there's consequences for their sin. There always is a consequence when we do something wrong. 
When you sin and you do something against God, there's a consequence. When you do something at school that's against the rules, there's a consequence. When you do something mom and dad didn't ask you to do, or that they specifically asked you not to do, there's a consequence. And there was for Adam and Eve. But I love what he does in the midst of this story. He makes new coverings for them. Like, they just stitched together some leaves. It's kind of a rough scenario. Like, it wasn't very good stuff that they had. He makes them some nice clothes. And then... In the midst of the consequences, he still gives to them. And he still makes a way back for them. Because he still loves them. He still cares about them. He still made them to have a relationship with him. And we're going to continue to look at what that really means and how that looks throughout the course of this series. But I love what Psalm 139 says because it just reminds us of this game that we play when we sin, when we do something wrong, we hide. But yet us hiding from God just never works out. And so here's what the psalmist says in in Psalm 139, verses 7 through 12. It says, Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you're there. If I make my bed in the depths, you're there. If I rise on the wings of dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me, the light becomes night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. So my... My hope and prayer just for us getting into this series and talking about this very first game of hide-and-seek that we see Adam and Eve playing with God when they wrong Him, when they do something that they were asked not to do and ultimately sin for the very first time, and they try to hide from that, God still seeks them out. When we sin, when we do something wrong against God, He still seeks us out. And it doesn't matter what you did. It doesn't matter how bad it was. We don't have to do what Adam and Eve did and try to cover up and try to hide, try to lie, try to deceive people to get away from the blame or the guilt or the the shame of it all. Because at the end of the day, we can't outrun God. We can't get away from Him. And we shouldn't want to. Because he's pursuing us, he's seeking us, not to lay guilt on us or make us feel bad, but he's pursuing us because he wants us to know that he loves us, even in spite of doing something wrong. And so the hope and the prayer for you this week is this, that you would go home to your schools and you would quit playing the game. With your friends, with your family, you would quit playing this hide-and-seek game. You would quit hiding from the things that you have done wrong. You would quit hiding from the people you've wronged. You would quit hiding from God, ultimately. And you would quit giving the cold shoulder to Him. You would quit not spending time with God because you feel guilty. You would stop not reading your Bible, and you you wouldn't not pray because you feel bad that you did something wrong. And you would come to Him because He's coming after you. He's still pursuing you, even though you're running from him. And in the midst of your hiding, no matter how good of a spot you think you have, he sees you. He knows you. He loves you. And he just wants you to come to him. So instead of running from him, 
What if we run to him? 